Masechet Baba Kama Daf Nun. We're going to be talking about Bor and Reshut Echid versus Reshut Rabim. And we're going to see there's reasons that one might think you'd be Mahmir in one and the other. Uh, the Pesukim themselves, there's two Pesukim here. One is Kiftach Ish Bor, Ochi Chire Ish Bor. And the Gemara is going to ask, why do you need to tell me about a man oh, digging a pit? I'm um, oh, sorry, opening a pit that's covered and also digging a pit, right? Isn't that equivalent? <clears throat> uh, so we're going to see that. And he doesn't cover it um, and an animal falls in. Now, from this description, the Gemara is going to say, this sounds like it could be anywhere. It's just because you dug it, not because you own it. So this suggests Rishut Harabim. However, the next Pasuk says, Baal Ashori Shalem to the owner of the pit. Owner of the pit sounds like if he owns it, it's in his private domain. And so that's, that's a reason to prefer to say to be Mahmir um, uh, in private because then you actually own the pit. It's yours on your domain. You're responsible and not so in the public. On the other hand, in the public, that's where people are walking. And so you're creating a, a public uh, nuisance, a, uh, a, a public danger. Uh, whereas in private, you can say, well, I'm doing whatever I want on my private land. Uh, we're going to see how if it uh, the, regarding private land also depends on if if it's close to the uh, public domain or not, like, or if you give permission to for people to walk through your land or walk on the edge of the land and then they fall into a pit, so then it's um, it is kind of it's private, but um, has, since it has access to public, one has to be more careful. Okay, those are going to be the the considerations that we're going to have to take into account. So we start with the Mishnah: Chofer Bob Reshut Hayachid Upetachol Reshut Harabim. Oh, Reshut Harabim Upetachol Reshut Hayachid. If someone digs a pit in his in private domain, but the opening is in the public domain, imagine a um, a, a a hole that's like the shape of a slide, um, like a sliding pond, and uh, or a covered sliding pond, so that the top of it is in one domain and it goes on a diagonal, and uh, the bottom of it is in a different domain. So if he opens it up uh, in <coughs> is the bottom of it, but the opening is in the Shutarabim. Or the other way around, um, he digs it, most of it in the Shutarabim is the bottom, but it opens up to the Shutayachid, or he opens it from one Shutayachid to another Shutayachid. In all these cases, if someone falls in, um, or animal falls in, the one who dug it is liable. The main takeaways from this Mishnah is, number one, it doesn't really matter where the bottom of the pit is. The most important part is where the top of it is. Right? It follows the top because that's where a person is going to fall into it. Um, so if the top is in a dangerous area, then it's a problem. Uh, second, according to this, um, the opinion of the Mishnah, it doesn't really matter where the pit is, whether it's in the Shutar Abim or whether it's in the Shutar the one who digs it is liable. So and we're going to see, um, oh, uh, f- try to figure out whose opinion this is. Um, uh, we, we're going to come back to the diagonal barot uh, in, in a few minutes. But first, we're going to present a baraita that shows there's machlok between Bishmel and Biakiva about private birth versus public domain. And then we're going to see two opinions about that machloket, Rabbah and Rav Yosef, who interpret the machloket between Bishmael and Bi Akiba differently. And then we're going to see a couple of challenges um, against those interpretations from Baraitot, Baraitot that are uh, similar to our Mishnah. 
All right, here we go. Tenor banan. Hachofer bor b'shut ha'yechid u'fetachol l'shut ha'rabim. B'shut ha'rabim u'fetachol l'shut ha'yechid chayav. The Baraita says if one someone digs a pit in private domain, but it opens to the public domain. So again, it only matters where the where the opening is. So this means it's in public domain. Now the next few words that are in the printed edition, in the printed edition they're actually in parentheses, um, do not belong, they should not be here. Um, if we look at the manuscripts, you'll see that it says, Bishut Hayachid, Ufetachol Lishut Harabim. In manuscripts, the next three words are not there at all. Even in the first two printed editions, there's Lishut Harabim, nothing there. For some reason, in the Vilna edition, uh, by some error, uh, the these three words were put in, and then uh, Achronim realized and uh, put them in parentheses to say they should be erased. So this is a case where the parentheses are very serious, and you should actually erase them. Really, we should just take these words out because they do not fit at all it makes no sense if you put these words in um, okay so back to the Gemara um, so this is uh, the um, first opinion here is uh, so once again according to the Bishmael someone who digs a pit in the public domain the opening is in the public domain he is liable and he further says this is the pit that the torah is talking about right this is the um, main example of a pit it's in public so uh, so for sure to bishmael thinks a public one is chayav what does bishmael think about a one in the private domain we'll have to see Rabbi Akiva thinks that if I dig a pit in my own private domain and then I renounce ownership of that land or part of that land such that now people can walk through, but I did not renounce ownership of the board itself. So the board is mine. It's a private, uh, privately owned board. But see, if I if I keep the whole land private, so now it's protected, right? Who uh, no one's allowed to trespass. So then that's not such a problem, right? Um, I wouldn't be responsible. But here I keep the board; it's in my 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 possession. But I allow people to walk through. So now this is a board in the shutayachid, and the Rabbi Akiva says a board in the shutayachid in such a scenario where people have access to walking through it. That is the prototypical board. This is what the Torah was talking about. So we see for sure the Biakiva thinks that a board in Eshut HaYachib is liable. What would the Biakiva say about Eshut HaRabim? It's not clear. Okay, so now we're going to have two interpretations of this machloket. Rabbah thinks that everyone agrees that a board in the public domain is chayav. For sure, Rabbi Ishmael, he said that explicitly, and he said even Rabbi Akiva would agree to that. Why? He's asking about the double language in Pasuk 33, the first of the two Pasukim, that we saw in the Torah, it says if you open a pit or if you dig a pit. Well, if I'm chayab, if I just open a pit that was already there and I uncover it, then all the more so if I dig it, I'm going to be liable. So why bother? Why have to bother saying both cases? It comes to teach that I am liable when I am involved in opening or digging pits no matter what else is going on, meaning I don't have to own it also. When it's in a public domain, for sure, I am liable because that's a case where it's the opening and uncovering that um, dealing with that 
is the only change I made, even w even without owning it. So from that um, that language, from that extra language here, that's how we learn that in the public domain, one is liable, and everybody would agree with that for sure to be Ishmael, and even to be Akiva. So according to Raba, where 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 is the machloket? One in a private domain. said, I, I think that if it's in a private domain, also one is liable because the second pasuk, right, of the two, uh, pasuk 34 says the owner of the board. So a board that has an owner, that is, is liable. If it doesn't have an owner, also liable. So uh, therefore, Rabbah says, according to Bishmael, both, one is always liable, um, whether it's in private or public domain. Now, Bishmael, what is Bishmael going to do with this? phrase Baal Habor, he says that doesn't mean that you own the board, it means you are responsible for the hazard. When you uh, dig it in public domain, you're only liable in public domain, not private domain. And Baal Habor means you're the one that dug it and therefore you take responsibility. It doesn't mean li literally owning it. Okay, good. So now to summarize, in the Baraita, Rabbah only talked about public liable. And uh, Biakiba only said that private is liable. So now, does that, do they totally exclude each other? Rabbah says, no, there is overlap. Everybody agrees that in public, one is liable. And Bishmael says, only in public, not in private. And Biakiba says, both, one is liable everywhere. Biakiba is more machmir. All right, fine. Now, we understand that, remember the language that said Zehu, both of them said, this is what the Torah was talking about. This sounds like an exclusionary statement. This, but not something else. So, according to the Bishmael, who says that one is liable only in public, so when he says this, he means this in public. That's what the Torah said is not allowed, but not in private domain. That would be okay. So fine, that language makes sense for the Bishmael. But when Akiva, who says one's liable in bo both uh, uh, um, places, why, what does he mean when he says this is what the talk, what Torah is talking about, as opposed to what? And the answer is Zehu Bor This means public in the public domain. That's what the what the Torah started off talking about, and so that one for sure is liable, right? Once again, the pesukim. Pasuk 33 says, and that double language comes to say that even in public, uh, say that in public domain, one is liable. Because in any case, we're just for digging, even without ownership. That's what this double language comes to mean. So when Rabbi Akiba says, Zehu, he means, this is the first Pasuk. I, we already know this Pasuk. We already know in public domain, one is liable from here. And I'm adding, Rabbi Akiba says, that also, when uh, one is the owner, that um, that in private domain, one is also liable. All right, good. So all that is the interpretation of Rabbah, and according to which Rabbi Akiva is the Mahmir one. However, Rav Yosef has a different, flips everything around, and actually, according to him, Rabbi Ishmael is the one who's Mahmir and says one is liable in both. As follows, Rav Yosef He thinks that the place where they all are in agreement is in Ashuta Yachid. It's yours. You're responsible for it. Since it says, the owner of the board. So now everybody's taking that literally. The person actually owned the board. It's in his private domain. 
and that's therefore he's liable. The argument is in a public domain. Rabbi Ishmael Ama Savad Bor Rabbi Ishmael, remember in the Braita, he only taught, he spoke about public domain. So for sure he says public domain is liable. And uh, so he says also liable, because the Shutahid and the Shutarabim, the Shutahid because it's Balabor, the Shutarabim, the Khtiv Kiftah Vikre Yikre, Im Al Petiha Khaya Bal Kiriya Lokoshaken. So here, Rabbi Akiva is quoting what we what we quoted before, um, according to everybody. Um, now, Rabbi Yosef is quoting it just for it to be Ishmael that the double language. Um, why do I need double language? If I'm liable for uncovering it, certainly I'm liable for digging it. Rather, it means for being involved in opening it or digging it, meaning just for that, and not because I also own it. I am liable. So from here, I learn that um, one is I'm liable for public. So now we got um, to be Ishmael. This is all within Yosef. Uh, says that one is liable in both scenarios. Akiva, remember in the Braita that we started, he only says private domain, and that's it. He only says private domain, limited, not public. Um, so Rabbi Akiva, what are you going to do with this pasuk here, from which we learn public domain? He answers, I have a different answer. I actually need both cases, because if I only had one, I wouldn't know um, the whole law. The pasuk only said, that uncovering um, a, an ex- a pre-existing board is a problem. I'm, li- I'm liable in that case. I might have thought that um, if I uncover it, then it's enough for me to cover it, uh, and then I'm not liable anymore. But if the pasuk didn't say dig, I might have said, wait, if I dig it, there's not enough sufficient for me to just cover it because it, you know someone else can come and uncover it, and I, I'm the one that did, dug it. I might have thought that if I dig it, I have to fill it in in order to not be liable. So that's why the, but that's not true. So that's why the pasuk says if I uncover it or if I dig it, even if I dig it up. All I have to do is cover it to um, be released of liability. And if I only said the case of digging, I would have thought, if I dug it up, then I need to cover it. I did an action. I created the pit. I have to make sure to cover it. But I might have thought, if the Patuk didn't say, uh, I talk about uncovering it, I might have thought that only if I dig it, that's why I have to cover it. But if I uh, if there was pre-existing and I opened it up because I didn't create it, maybe um, I would not even have to cover it. I, I, I just uncovered it. I didn't make the pit. I'm not liable, I might have thought. And that's why the Pasuk has to say also covering. So whether I uncover it or dig it, it's necessary and sufficient to cover it up. Uh, that's why I need both. And therefore, to be Akiba says, I'm not using that Pasuk to teach me public domain because I think public domain is patur. Now in Rav Yosef's interpretation, the limiting word Zehu is perfectly understandable for to be Akiba. Because Rabbi Akiba says, the Torah is only talking about a board in the Shuta Yachid, not the Shuta Rabim, so it's Zehu. But in Rav Yosef's interpretation, Rabbi Ishmael is the Machmir one, he said one's liable in all cases. So why does he say Zehu? This is what the Torah is talking about, which implies that um, it's only this case and not something else. What is it excluding? And the answer is Zehu Borshe Batachba Katub Techilan Zaki. No, Rabbi Ishmael meant to say, um, this is the first one. Rabbi Ishmael said in the Banabrai. 
Taita public. Abort in public domain is not allowed. That's the one that the Torah started off talking about in Pasuk 33. And then the Pasuk continues with 34 and says also, Baal uh, Habor, and that teaches me private, private domain. Whereas Ibn Akiba says, no, I don't agree. The first Pasuk is, I need that to teach me um, that both digging and uncovering. And only the second pasuk is relevant to tell me who owns it. And uh, so, to summarize what we have so far, um, is we have uh, we had a mishnah that talked about diagonal, and according to that, according to the mishnah, whether it's in public or private. Uh, one is liable. Um, so the Mishnah would follow the Bish, be Akiva in the Baz interpretation or to be Ishmael in Rav Yosef's interpretation. But I leave the Mishnah aside. Now we have a Baraita, and the Baraita only mentions public for Yibir Ishmael and private for the be Akiva. That's where one is liable. And so now what does each one do with the other? So Rabbah assumes that Rabbi Akiva is more machmir and says, uh, says not only private but also public, and Ishmael only public. Whereas Rav Yosef um, thinks that Rabbi Ishmael is the is the uh, machmir one, and Ishmael says one is liable both in both in public and in private, and Rabbi Akiva is literally what he says in the Baraita. He says private, and he says only in private domain that one is liable, and not in the public domain. We're now going to present a challenge against Rav Yosef's interpretation from the following Beraita. It's a long Beraita, and the Beraita seems to have a contradiction between two of the opinions. So let's see. Metibe. Hachofer bor b'shut harabim patur. So you're digging in the pri- public domain, but the opening is private domain. And so remember, we always go by the public, by the opening. So this is basically the shut hayachid, and it says patur. We know it. And note that this is prohibited because you can't make tunnels in the under public domain. Uh, you can't just go and dig under public domains. So it's not allowed. But in any case, if you did it, but the opening is in the Shutayachid, therefore it's Patur. So the so far the Resha says the Shutayachid Patur. If the bottom of the pit is in private, but it opens in Rishut Rabim, so it goes by the opening, and so Rishut Rabim Hayav. So, so far we have Yachid Patur Rabim Hayav. Now, third case, Hachofer Borot Bishut Hachid, Hasimuchal Rishut Rabim, Kegon Elu Hachofrim Leushin Patur, if you dig a pit in private domain, but it's right next to the public domain. For example, people who dig foundations. If you can make a foundation for a new home, so you got to dig a lot. You have to dig even beyond where the house is going to be because you have to shore up right uh, the, the sides there and you have to put the foundation in, so you need space to work. So in that case, people are going to be digging all the way right up to the border between their property and the uh, and, and pri- private and public property. Um, so that is patur. Why? It's a special dispensation for people digging foundations because that's the usual practice. That's how you dig foundations. And so you know what? Otherwise, we won't be able to build a house. So, okay, for that, patur. We can infer from this that if one were digging um, in the private domain, not for the purpose of, uh, of foundations, then one would be hayav. Okay. So the third case is, seems to contradict the first one, and the first one is said, Yachid is patur, um, even though that also seems to be like close to the Shutarabim, because look, it goes under there, the Shutarabim. And so the first one says, Yachid patur, and the third case here says, in the Shutarabim, Yachid, it would be chayav. 
Um, here it's only patur because it's foundations. Now we have a minority opinion that is not relevant to the question, but we'll just learn it. Rabbi Yosef thinks that one is chayav in the case of foundations. Unless you make a uh, a partition, you have to put a fence ten hand breaths high. Um, you can make a foundation, but you got to put a fence. Or you have to move it a distance of four hand, bre- hand breaths from where people walk or where animals walk. You got to move it in. You got to leave. You can't do it right on the edge. You have to either either make a fence or leave space. All right. Now, on the, regarding the third case, Tamad Lushin, the only reason he's patur is because he's making a foundation, so we have to let him do that. Otherwise, it would be Hayav. So now we have the contradiction between the first and third case. First case is Bershut Echid, Patur. Third case, Bershut Echid, under normal circumstances, Hayav. Hamane. It must be that the first and third case are two different opinions. Now, according to Rabbah, that's totally fine. Uh, the Resha, this is Patur, that would be Rabbi Ishmael, because according to Rabbah, they're arguing about the Shutechid, and Rabbi Ishmael says, is one that says Patur, and the Sefa is uh, Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbah, Rabbi Akiva is Mahmir, and he says, Chayav in all cases, including uh, certainly the Shutechid, and so it's easy to resolve the first and third case. Ela Rav Yosef, Bishlama Sefa Dibrehakol. Rav Yosef, so we could understand. The Sefa that says Bishut Echid Chayav, because according to Rav Yosef, everybody agrees that one is Chayav in Rishut Hayachid. There's no argument there. Ela Resha Mane, Lord of Ishmael, and Lord of Akiba, but Resha, where it says Bishut Hayachid Patur. Well, that's, nobody says that. Not to be Ishmael, because Bishmael is Machmir. He says, always Chayav. So it's not him. And it can't be to be Akiva, because Rebbe Akiva says, Beshut Echid Chayav. So nobody says, Beshut Echid Patur, according to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef, we have a problem. How are you going to explain the first clause in this Baraita? Amar Lach Rav Yosef. Kula Dibri Rav Yosef says, actually, I'll do even one better. The entire thing, um, the entire uh, Baraita is according to everybody. The uh, Sefa, as uh, we said, the third case, that's in fact what everybody says according to Rav Yosef. When we're talking about when I made a uh, pit in my private domain and I did not renounce ownership, not over the land, people to people to walk in, not over the board. I made it in the middle of my, of my land and nobody can walk there, otherwise they're trespassing. In that case, everybody everybody would agree that I'm patur. This only, al is only about if I um, make a pit in my land and I do it close to the border or I renounce ownership um, of a pathway, so and then people are walking near it. That's the, where the machloket is. Um, uh, but... Um, if uh, that's uh, that's yeah, that's where the machlo- that's where everybody actually now there's no on Rav Yosef. That's where everybody says chayav um, in a shutechid chayav is when people have access to walk near it. But if there's no access near it, I did not renounce ownership over any part of it. Then actually everybody agrees patur. So Rav Yosef is good.
אמר רב אשר, השתא דוקים לרב יוסף, לדבר הכל, לרבה נמי לתוק מקטנה, רב אשר says, now that you gave that answer for רב יוסף, now look, רב יוסף is looking even better than רבה, because we'd rather not say that the resha is בישמעאל and the sefa is רבי עקיבא, right? And רב יוסף can say both resha and sefa are talking about everybody, because you just made an okimta that we're talking about where he didn't renounce ownership. So Rav Ashish says, once you did that for Rav Yosef, I'll make an okimta and help Rabbah. And Rabbah, for Rabbah also, you don't have to say it's a machloket tanaim, but the resha is Yibishmael and the sefa is Yibakiva. Medresha Rabbi Yishmael, sefa namer Rabbi Yishmael. I could explain the whole thing according to Rabbi Yishmael. Ve'tama dilushin. So remember, according to Rabbah, Rabbi Yishmael says, Rishut Echid Patur. So that's why in the first case, Patur. And in the third case, the reason why in the Mishnah it says Patur is because he's making it for foundations. And the implication that you should have from that is not otherwise it will be Chayav in all cases, but rather Otherwise, if you're not if you're not stopping at the foundations, um, uh, but at the at the at the border, but you're widening even more into the public domain. That's where we're talking about. It says chayav. If you're making foundations and you dig precisely within your domain, then um, uh, that then it would be patur, right? That would be fine because this would be Ishmael. He says b'shut patur. But when it says for foundations, Hayav in the Braita, it's assuming that you're actually extending. And sometimes you do. In order to make a, a proper foundation, you need even more space and you have to extend out into the Shutarabim a little bit. And that in that case, you're going into the Shutarabim. And that's why the Braita says, um, in, uh, the shoot, uh, if you're stopping at foundations precisely within the border, fine, then patur. But if you're extending, then it will be chayaf. That's the implication. And so now, uh, Rabbah also can explain that the entire baraita is according to the one, uh, the one opinion of Rabbi Ishmael. And finally, we're going to have one last challenge, also against Rav Yosef. Someone digs in private domain, but the opening is in the Shut Rabim. So all matters is where the opening is. So here you go, the Shut Rabim is Hayav. And if he digs in the Shut in and it's close to the Shut Rabim, it's still the Shut the opening and everything is in the Shut um, it's opening shoot rabim patur, so that counts as a shoot yachid patur. So um, who are, who can we identify that would say the shoot rabim hayav aboard in the shoot yachid patur? Bishlama l'raba kula rabbi Ishmael he according to raba the whole thing is rabbi Ishmael because that's exactly what raba says um, according to raba's interpretation rabbi Ishmael if it's in public hayav if it's in private patur if it's perfectly. But according to Rav Yosef, we can understand the Resha that says, uh, Well, that would be Ishmael and only the Ishmael, right? Because according to Rav Yosef, everyone agrees that Shut Hayachid is Chayav, but only the Ishmael says, uh, so the Resha is Rishut Rabim, and the Sefa cannot be the Bishmael and not the Akiba, because according to Rav Yosef, um, everyone thinks that Bishut Hayachid is Chayav. So no one says Rishut Hayachid is Patur, so who could be the author of the Sefa? And Ishmael, Rav Yosef, could answer that 
uh, we're talking about a case uh, where he's digging a foundation. And if you're digging a foundation, everyone agrees that that's a special dispensation. We need people to buy uh, to build houses, and so that's the usual way to to build a foundation is to dig in a shutayachid, and therefore everyone agreed to Bishmael and Akiva would agree that in that case you're patur, and so um, that's no problem, right? Resha could be Rabbi uh, Ishmael who says Rabbi Meshayav, and everyone would agree that since it's foundations, the shutayachid, this case, uh, even though smuchah the shutayabim, because you're building a foundation, still. Patur. All right. Um, now they mentioned that another very important halacha regarding build uh, digging cisterns, and this time for someone digs a cistern, but he donates it to the public, which is a very good thing to do. If someone digs or opens a, a well and um, transfers it to the public. He's doing a public service, right? People need wells, they need water. And this guy, he goes and volunteers and digs, not, not in the middle of the street where people are walking. He, digs, he puts it in a good, a nice convenient place by the side of the road at the entrance um, of the city where, where people need it and in a good place. And he announces, right? This is now for the public. And now the public will take care of it, maintain it, you know, do whatever they have to do to keep people safe. So, and so if someone would be damaged, that guy is patur because he did a public service and donated it. On the other hand, if he opened or dug or opened a well and did not transfer it to the public, so now that's just a regular case of a board that he's responsible for. If someone is damaged, then he's responsible. And this is exactly what this guy named Nehunya, he was known as the digger of pits, ditches, and caves. He would go, that was his mission in life to provide water for people. He would dig wells or cisterns that they would fill up with water so everybody could have water. And he would um, uh, announce them and give them to the public. When the rabbis heard about this Nehunya who did this, they said this person fulfilled this law, right? It's a wonderful thing that he did. That he fulfilled this mitzvah. Wait, did the rabbis mean that he fulfilled all this halacha and only this halacha? He didn't fulfill anything else? No, what they mean is he fulfilled also this halacha. So, what a great tzaddik um, who does things, uh, wonderful things for the public. Now, we have a story about this very nechunya, a tragic story. Gadol about a story about this uh, daughter of this Nehunya, the ditch digger, um, that his uh, his do- his own daughter fell into a large cistern. These cisterns are really hard to get down. Is that I mean they don't um, necessarily have steps. She could break her leg. She could be down there. Can't get her up. And so they came and they told the great rabbi of the time. Nebuchadnezzar was not there. He only heard the news and he was in a different place altogether. But he could figure out what was going on. And so for the first hour or time period, he said, she's all right. Right, she's down there, but she's all right. The second hour also said, you know, she's safe. She's down there, but she's okay. And the third, he said, oh, she, she, she was rescued. She was uh, ascended from the well. So Amrullah. So then they finally, they these uh, students went to her and interviewed her and said, Mihalcha, who brought you up? Ahad Man A a ram 
happened to come by and there was this old man who was leading him. Uh, commentaries say, sounds like it's Avraham and his ram. So uh, miraculously, someone came and they were able to pull me up. So the students turned to Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa says, Oh, you're a prophet? How did you know? You weren't even there. And you said, you know, have patience, have patience. And then you, you announced that she, went, that she was rescued. How did you know she was rescued? I'm not a Navi, I'm not the child of Navi. I don't need prophecy to figure this out. Rather, I said to myself, this meritorious act that this great Sadiq suffered through. He 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 toiled through. He spent so much time and effort being mezakeh abim and giving them water by digging these pits. Does it make sense that his own child should fall and um, and be harmed by such a thing? Right. That would just be just a terrible, impossible. What an injustice that would be. Right. Oh, look, bad things happen sometimes. But the very thing that he did to, and as a merit, he should be. He should. Um, uh, uh, suffer because of that, that does not make sense. So I said, for sure, so one, somehow uh, she will be rescued. It may take a little time, but in fact, she was rescued. So Rabbi Acha says, even though we just learned that Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa said this, and he knew for sure that this uh, righteous person would not suffer because of uh, digging pits. Nevertheless, at some other time, his son died in uh, by thirst, which is also still um, uh, a poetic irony because he made these pits to provide water for everyone that his son should die of thirst still seems like a terrible injustice. Uh, nevertheless, what's, how can we explain this? Because Pasuk says there is a storm around him, so it teaches that Hashem is very scrupulous with those around him, meaning those who are very righteous um, are held to a higher level. And so precisely because this Nechunyah was so so righteous um, that's uh, that's uh, that's why um, he did whatever, maybe some small uh, minor error uh, that he or his son did and that they were uh, punished greatly for that. Uh, who happens to have the same name as the Nechunya, who was the hero of our story, he says, I learned the same lesson, but from a different pasuk, uh, God dreaded in the great council of holy ones and feared by all those, all that surround him. Sibibav again, is those that are close to God, those have the most to fear. Um, they are uh, uh, judged with great um, exact uh, uh, with exacting uh, level. Amar Rabbi Hanina Kolam Ben Hakadosh Baruch Hu Vatran Hu Yivatru Chayav Shlemar Asur Tamim Pa Olok Yichod Rachav Mishpat. Anyone who says that God is forgiving, He relinquishes sin, that God will relinquish that person's life and end it early. As it says, uh, God is perfect, his ways are justice. Is justice. Sometimes Hashem is merciful, but you can't just say, oh, God won't care about it. No, there is also justice. And uh, along the same lines, Rabbi Hana, or some say, Rabbi Shimon Ben Nachman, say, well, how come it says in plural, God is 
long suffering in plural, uh, literally uh, long, uh, long of of af of nose, uh, but it means to be uh, a patient. So why why patient in a double and not just with one? And the answer is God is long suffering and patient both for Sadiqim and for the Sha'im. Uh, for the Sha'im, it makes sense, right? He doesn't necessarily punish a person uh, right away. He may delay the punishment, give the person a chance to uh, to make Teshubah. And also for Sadiqim. Sadiqim, it could work both ways. Either maybe also long-suffering and will punish the, the Sadiq also after a long time, or it could mean that he will only give the reward after a long time. Just because a Sadiq doesn't get rewarded immediately, that doesn't mean he didn't. he's not a Sadiq. Uh, it could be that he's delaying it for later. Now that we mentioned that Hashem is uh, slow to anger and sometimes punishes a person after a long time, we have uh, an important story that demonstrates this. A person should not take stones out of his private property and throw them into the public property. He wants to clear his field, so he just litters, uh, puts them into the into the street. Not his problem. Uh, a person should not do that. And look at the consequences for doing so. One time a person who was doing precisely that, he was taking stones from his private domain and throwing them into the street. And a certain Hasid came and said, You foolish one, you lowlife, why are you removing stones from uh, a domain that's not yours to a domain that is yours? And this is strange because it sounds, it seems like he's doing the opposite. He's taking stones from his Rishut HaYachid, which is his, to the street, which is not his. But this Hasid team seems to have mixed up, um, mixed up, uh, the, uh, the from, uh, the to and from. Uh, he's taking, and he said, you're taking from a place that um, is not yours to a place that is yours, as if the street is his. So, Ligleg Alav, the, the man uh, who, was, who was removing the stones, made fun of this Hasid. Oh, this guy is just out of his mind. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But, Liyamim, Lisachlim Kosadehu, sometime later, it didn't happen right away, but this person who didn't care about the public domain and was, uh, was polluting, he uh, one day eventually became poor and he had to, he had to sell his his field. And he was walking in that very street where he threw the stones. And he tripped on, on those very stones that he put there in the first place. And then he remembered what the Hasid said. He says, ah, oh, now I appreciate his wisdom. That's why he said, why are you taking stones from a, a domain that's not yours? Right? Because his Rishut Ha'achid, although it did belong to him, you never know if something's always going to belong to you. And sure enough, he had to sell it, so now it was no long, did no longer belong to him to a domain that belongs to you, the street, the public areas, public parks belong to everyone. It's not say, oh, I don't care about it. it, doesn't belong to me. Rather, the public domain is actually the, uh, the, the, uh, the responsibility and gives benefit to everyone. And therefore, it's in everyone's interest not to, not to litter, not to pollute, um, but to keep our environment, um, our, our streets, our cities, our uh, parks all uh, clean and safe 
if not for other people, then for ourselves. Next, Mishnah. When someone digs a pit in the public domain and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the one who dug it is liable. And it doesn't matter whether it's um, a regular kind of cistern kind of pit or it's a ditch that's long and narrow or a cave uh, that has a roof on it or a trench or a water channel. Uh, one of these is an A shape. It's narrow on the top and gets bigger on the bottom. And it's seen as the V shape. Uh, it's narrow on the bottom but is wider on top. It doesn't matter all these different shapes. If one digs it and an animal falls in, uh, he is liable. Now, why do you say why do you say bor in the Torah? Says bor, right? Why does the Torah say pit? If, if any of these are possible, because I wanted to give you a good example, in a pit, um, if if an animal falls into it and it's 10 tefachim deep, then that is enough to cause it to die. And so too, all other uh, holes that are at, that has to, in order to be liable has to be 10 tefachim deep, and that's the depth at which if an animal falls, it, it can cause death. And since you made it that deep, then you are liable if, if the animal dies. If it was less than uh, 10 tefachim and an animal fell into it and died, then the one who dug the pit is not liable because it's unusual. It's not likely. It shouldn't happen. That, so therefore, it's not his fault. Um, I dug a, a shallow pit. And not enough for it to die. It died. I don't know. It must have been very weak. If it died, it's not my problem. However, if it just broke its leg or injured or something, well, even less than nine tefachim will is sufficient to cause injury. So the owner of the pit would, would have to pay for injury, but would not be liable for the animal's death. Good. This is something surprising that a pit causes injury and death um, only by its lethal fumes and not by the impact of hitting the bottom. So you see, according to that, uh, Rav must think that the impact on the ground it does not count because that's the ground. He doesn't. I don't own the ground. I dug the pit. I created the space. And in a pit, um, it's hard to breathe. Uh, lots of fumes build up in there, um, and uh, it's uh, it's dying from a lack of of good oxygen. And instead of these, uh, and instead having to breathe in these fumes. That's what kills it. That's what's dangerous. Shmuel, however, says both ways, both the fumes and the impact um, can cause damage. So if there was, if the damage, if the death happened because of either one or the other, um, the one who dug it would be liable. Now, if you'll say, how do you, wait a second, how do you know that it's both? Maybe it's only the impact. Who said anything about the fumes? Um, and maybe the fumes has nothing to do with it. No, the Torah says bor, and that means in any case, any time the board is sufficiently deep that it will cause death, the owner is liable, even if you put sponges in it. Uh, right, woolen uh, sponges like this, uh, sponges that they had, woolen sponges, even if you put sponges so that the impact is, uh, uh, um, is not a lot, <clears throat> so it will not die from the impact. Uh, but nevertheless, it still 
one will still be, be liable if it's ten tefachim deep and the animal falls in because it will die of fumes. So in fact, Rav and Shmuel, everybody agrees that fumes that kill in a pit, one is liable for. However, regarding impact, Shmuel said not liable for the impact and Shmuel says yes, also liable for the impact. My Benaihu, what would be a practical case that would have that would um, be have come to a different conclusion between Rav and Shmuel? A difference would be if you did not dig down into the ground, but rather you built a mound up. And so this, uh, the animal then climbed up the mound and then fell down to uh, ground level. So it didn't go underground uh, where there's bad fumes. The bad fumes are, are, are underground, but they're not on, at the surface level. So according to Rav, um, one is not liable for the above ground. There's no fumes there. But according to Shemuel, one is liable in both cases um, above ground because still there's impact there when you're hitting the ground and Shemuel makes one liable for fumes and also impact. That says, no, only if it falls down. That means down underground. <clears throat> that's the only time it's liable, and that's because of fumes. What are you going to do with the word fall? No, fall means any way of falling, whether you fall from ground level beneath or whether you go up some steps and then fall down to ground level. doesn't matter. Both of those are called falling. Tenan. We're going to challenge Rav from our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, the Mishnah said um, if all these different types of ditches and, uh, um, and caves are all in, are all, one is liable for all of them, then why did the Torah say specifically pit? And the Mishnah itself answered, just like a boar um, can kill if it's ten tefachim deep, so too all of them have the potential to kill something that falls in if it's ten tefachim deep. Now, Now, this Mishnah makes sense according to Shemuel, where it says, Afkol, that's an inclusive term, so oh, that also is including, uh, including the case that it goes up and it falls, uh, it falls to ground level from a height. Uh, so that will be included also. So Mishnah makes sense. But according to Rav, he doesn't think that case is liable. So what is this phrase adding? And the answer is that is coming to include trenches and water channels. That's why it says Afkol. We ask, Wait a second, but the Mishnah already says that, right? Just you know, the next line, it specifies all those things. Actually, no, before that, the Mishnah already said, uh, uh, said uh, all these things, and then after it says, oh, and why board to tell you Afkol. <laughs> so uh, according to that, you already, already mentioned trenches and water cha- channels. So why would you need the Afkol afterwards? Uh, the 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 uh, Rav can say um, you're right. It is redundant, but sometimes that's the way of the Mishnah. The style of the Mishnah is to uh, say something and then it explains it. So it gives the bullet points at first. Yeah, trenches, water channels, and then it says, and how do you know? Oh, okay, so because this is board as an example, but these are also other ones that <clears throat> have to be tentafachim. So I've called is including those things that I already mentioned. Now, why does the Mishnah need to specify each and every one of these types of holes in the ground? I can't just say one and I'll figure out the others. 
צריכה דיתן הבור הווה מן הבור עשרה הודעית בהבלה משום דקטין וכריכה If you only had a pit, I would have said because because it's relatively small, it's constricted and round, so that's why a lot of fumes build up in it. But a shiach, which is long, a long channel, long ditch, so there's more space there, and maybe the lethal fumes do not build up in there. I might have thought that it is not does not have potential to kill. So that's why I need shiach that also, that has potential to kill, and the, and the digger would be liable. And if it said only shiach, that's ten tefachim deep, and that has it has fumes because it's very narrow, so the fumes stay in it. But if it's a me'ara, a cave, which is wide and rectangular, maybe um, uh, there's uh, in, just with uh, ten tefachim deep, there are not fumes in it. Maybe that would have to be deeper in order to have fumes. I might have thought that one would not be liable. So that's why I need the me'ara as well. Now, if it only said um, a cave, that would say that has a lot of fumes because it's covered. The fumes can't go out. But trenches that are open on top, maybe the the fumes can go out. So when there would not be sufficient fumes to kill if it was only ten tefachim deep. So that's why Mishnah has to say that. Uh, but if it only said uh, trenches, I would say, yeah, in trenches, they have a lot of fumes because they're not wider at the top than at the bottom. And so that's why it stays in. It's kind of narrow at the bottom. It doesn't get wider. Uh, so um, it doesn't, it all stays. According to this, it's just like parallel lines. Um, and so the, uh, it all, uh, that's why there, um, that's why the fumes stay in. But with the water channels that are wide on top, there, there's plenty of room for the fumes to go out. And I would think that well, the digger would not be liable in that case if it was only ten tefachim. And that's why the Mishnah needs to tell me all of these examples. It doesn't matter what shape it is. Ten tefachim is the standard. Fumes go in there and one is liable. Tenan. Now, we're quoting the Mishnah, again, that says, if it was less than ten tefachim, and an animal fell into it and died, the digger would be not be liable, because it shouldn't have died if it was only nine tefachim, but if it, if it caused the damage, then the digger is liable. Now, we quote again the relevant line, if it falls in and uh, and it's uh, only uh, nine tefachim deep, and then the digger is not liable. Why is it di- why is the digger not liable? Is it not because uh, there's not enough impact because it's so um, uh, it's because not it's not deep enough, so that's there, there's no impact, and so this would make sense according to uh, Shemuel, but this will be a challenge to Rav. Right, according to Rav, isn't there? Uh, who cares if there's no impact? It still could die for fumes, right? Uh, 
And the answer is, Lo mishum delet No, when it's less than 10, it also doesn't have Hevel. In fact, this would actually, would actually be a, a challenge to Shemuel too, because Shemuel says if it dies from either one, one is liable. And so even if it doesn't have nine and there's no impact still, we thought it might have fumes and one and should die. And so his answer is no. If it does have less than 10 uh, in its depth, then there are not sufficient fumes to kill it. Wait a second. And the next part that says if it's damaged, um, if it's injured, one is liable. Hold on. You said there's no fumes. And we're assuming now, we're assuming that it's not only the, the killing of it that's because of the fumes, also the injury to it is not from the impact, but from the fumes. <clears throat> and so if there's no fumes, then how did it get injured? And the answer is no, there is still fumes, but there's less fumes, uh, right? The, the deeper it is, the more fumes um, there are, the shallower it is, the less fumes. So if it's less than 10, then there's not enough bad fumes to kill it, but there will still be enough bad fumes to cause it injury. We'll continue with um, a story and more discussion about this halacha tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.